Section 3 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by D. Randall. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 2, Part 1. Last Hours with the Beloved One public feeling in the prospect of war, the parting, employments of the women at home, anxieties over the news from the seat of war, ill success of Austria, friends in trouble, the Patriotic Aid Association, visit to a friend, dreadful news. For a week I had been prepared for the catastrophe, and yet its occurrence gave me a bitter blow. I threw myself sobbing on the sofa and hid my face in the cushion when Arnold brought me the news. He sat down by me and began gently to comfort me. My darling, courage, compose yourself. It is not so bad after all. In a short time, we shall return as conquerors. Then we too shall be doubly happy. Do not weep so. It breaks my heart. I am almost sorry that I have engaged to go in any case. But no, just think if my comrades are forced to go, with what right could I remain at home? You yourself would feel ashamed of me. No, I must experience the baptism of fire sometime. Until that has happened, I do not feel myself truly a man or a soldier. Only think how delightful if I come back with a third star on my collar perhaps with the cross on my breast. I rested my head on his shoulder and kept on weeping the more. But I reflected how small such things were. Stars and crosses seemed to be at that moment only empty spangles. Not ten grand crosses on that dear breast could offer me any recompense for the terrible possibility that a ball might shatter it. Arno kissed me on the forehead, put me softly aside, and stood up. I must go out now, my dear, to my colonel. Have your cry out. When I come back, I hope to find you firm and cheerful. That is what I have need of, and not to be shaken with sad anticipations. At such a decisive moment as this, my own dear little wife surely would do nothing to take the heart out of me or damp my ardor for exploits. Goodbye, my treasure. And he departed. I collected myself. His last words were still ringing in my ears. Yes, plainly my duty now was not merely not to damp, but as far as possible to increase his spirit and his ardor for exploits. That is the only way in which women can exercise our patriotism, in which we can take any share in the glory our husbands bring from the battlefields. Battlefields. It is surprising how this word suddenly presented itself to my mind in two radically different meanings, partly in the accustomed historical signification, so pathetic and so calculated to awake the highest admiration, partly in the loathsomeness of the bloody, brutal syllable fight. Yes, those poor men who were being hurried out had to lie stricken down on the field with their gaping, bleeding wounds, and among them, perhaps, and the loud shriek escaped me as the thought passed through my mind. My maid Betty came running in all in a fright. For God's sake, my lady, what has happened? She asked, trembling. 
I looked at the girl. Her eyes also were red with weeping. I guessed she knew the tidings already, and her lover was a soldier. I felt as if I could press my sister in misfortune to my heart. It is nothing, my child, I said softly. Those who go away will surely return. Ah, my gracious lady, not all, she replied, breaking out anew into tears. My aunt now came in, and Betty withdrew. I am come, Martha, to speak comfort to you, said the old lady, as she embraced me, and to preach to you resignation in this trial. So you know it? The whole city knows it, and great joy prevails, for this war is very popular. Joy, Aunt Mary? Oh, yes, among those who see no beloved member of their families ordered out. I could easily understand that you must be sad, and so I hastened here. Your papa will also come directly, but not to comfort, only to congratulate. He is quite beside himself with joy that it is to go on, and looks on it as a noble chance for Arnold to take part in it. And he is right in the main. For a soldier, there is nothing better than a war. And that is the way you must look at it, my dear child. To fulfill the duty of your calling is before everything. What must be? Yes, you are right, aunt. What must be? What is inevitable? What is the will of God? Put in Aunt Mary in corroboration. Must be born with composure and resignation. Bravo, Martha. It is certain that everything happens as is before determined by a wise and all-merciful providence in his immutable counsels. Everyone's death hour is fixed and written down at the hour of his birth. And for our dear warriors, we will pray so much and so earnestly. I did not stop to debate more closely the contradiction that lay between the two assumptions that a fatal event was at the same time ordained and also could be turned aside by prayer. I was myself not clear on the point, and had from my whole education a vague impression that in such sacred matters one ought not to embark on reasonings. And indeed, if I had given voice to such scruples before my aunt, it would have grievously shocked her. Nothing could hurt her more than for people to express rational doubt on certain points. Not to argue about it is the conventional commandment in matters mysterious. As etiquette forbids to address questions to a king, so it is a kind of impious breach of etiquette to want to make inquiries or criticize about a dogma. Not to argue about it is also a commandment easily obeyed, and on this occasion I followed it very willingly, and so I did not enter into any contention with my aunt, but on the contrary, clung to the consolation that lay in the resort to prayer. Yes, during the whole time my Lord was absent, I determined to beg so earnestly for the protection of heaven that it should turn aside every bullet in the volley from Arno. Turn them aside. Whither? To the breast of another, for whom, nevertheless, prayers were also being made? And besides, what had been demonstrated to me in my course of physics about the accurately computable and infallible effects of matter and its motion. What, another doubt? Away with it. Yes, aunt, I said aloud, in order to break short these contradictions that kept crossing each other in my mind. Yes, we will pray continually, and God will hear us. Arnold will keep unhurt. You see, you see, dear child, how in heavy times 
the soul still flies to religion. Perhaps the Almighty sends you this trial in order that you may lay aside your former lukewarmness. This again did not strike me as correct, that the whole misunderstanding between Austria and Sardinia, dating even from the Crimean War, all the negotiations, the dispatch of the ultimatum and its rejection, could have been ordained by God in order to warm up my lukewarm spirit. But to express this doubt would also have been a breach of propriety. As soon as anyone introduces the name of the Almighty, the claims connected with that name give him a kind of spiritual immunity. But with regard to the charge of lukewarmness, it had some foundation. My aunt's religious feeling came from the depths of her heart, while my piety was more external. My father was in this respect quite indifferent, and so was my husband, and so I had had no stimulus from either the one or the other to any particular zeal of belief. I had never had any means either of plunging deeply into ecclesiastical learning, since I had always been able to leave such things unattacked on the not-argue-about-them principle. True, I went every week to Mass and every year to confession, and attended these services with much reverence and devotion, but the whole thing was still more or less an observance of the etiquette becoming to my position. I fulfilled my religious duties with the same correctness as I went through the figures of the Lancers at the state ball, and made the state courtesy when the Empress came into the room. Our chaplain at the Chateau in Lower Austria and the Nuncio in Vienna could have nothing to say against me, yet the charge which my aunt brought against me was perfectly justified. Yes, my child, she went on, in prosperity and happiness, people easily forget their home above. But if sickness or fear of death breaks in on us, or still more, on those we love, if we are stricken down or in sorrow, she would have gone on in this style for a long time, but the door burst open and my father rushed in. Hooray, it's begun now, was his joyful greeting to us. They wanted a whipping, these puppies, did they? And a whipping they shall have. That they shall. End of section three.